Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most fascinating city between Omaha and Salt Lake. I'm John Dicker, washed-up author and journalist. With me here are Jared Mayer of FaceTheState.com, as well as Joel Warner, staff writer for Westward. Each week on the Diatribe, we discuss three topics and then share some love and hate. This week, the September 6th edition, we're going to be talking about Denver police. Brutal, yes, but at least they're white cops beating the crap out of white people. Progress? We're also going to be talking about Five Points and its uh, continued revitalization. And finally, Joel Warner reports from the donut hole. That's what you're reporting from, right, Joel? The hole. The hole. Uh, and we're going to predict our the next gastronaut trends. We know. Let's start. I'm going to kick this off or cue this up to Jared because you've covered kind of the Denver police beat to some degree. Oh, yes, I have. Chalk this up. What's been going on with the recent resignation of the safety manager and several within the last two years, several lawsuits and shit caught on video? Well, there's always been stuff going on with the Denver police and accusations and uh, actual proof of police acting badly while making arrests. And uh, this past two weeks uh, or past three weeks, maybe there's just been three different incidences caught on tape where officers have been shown beating people up while making arrests down in Lodo. You know, the incidents themselves probably aren't that unusual, but because they got caught on tape and the timing of that exploded into this big hubbub, it was all over the news and community outrage, etc., and resulted in our new safety manager getting the heave-ho. And is the safety manager a PR flack? Or do they, is their job more than that? The safety manager is, is this position that the city created. What it is is it's, it's a mayoral appointee. So he's, he's appointed by Mayor Hickenlooper. And what they do is they kind of oversee the safety department, which is the Denver Police Department and the Fire Department. And they, as a, as a position, they sort of have the, the ultimate decision whether or not to uh, – fire employees and things like that. Pretty much it was a, it was a position that was created to kind of provide more over, direct oversight from the mayor's office over the police department and Well, one thing I you know, one thing I find really fascinating with these stories that I want to ask you Jared about, kind of you something thing that seemed to make these incidents relevant was the fact that there was video of these beatings and it wasn't like like some like passersby taking video. This was the police department's own video. Yeah. And so, I mean, so talk about that whole kind of video system that I mean, the police the, now that's have. That's the only reason why these uh, incidents are are relevant. And 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 this is this is the magic of video. And and the amazing thing is that for at least two of these incidences which popped up uh one of them being uh the most notable one was this guy michael de herrera who was at some club down in lodo and his buddy was getting arrested by a cop and he's standing there talking on his cell phone to his father who is a sheriff in pueblo county i think yeah we we later find out and the uh, the police officer making the arrest kind of stands up and walks over to uh, De Herrera, who's not making, you know, by the video, you can tell he's not making any threatening motions or anything like that, and pretty much clubs De Herrera and uh, throws him to the ground and arrests him. And the charges were later dropped, and there was a lawsuit. The reason the video came out is that as a program that was started for the Democratic National Convention in 2008, they got the police department got all of this money to institute the uh, a, a camera surveillance program, and so this is all 
these are cameras that are sort of mobilized and you can move them around the city and uh, all of these this it's pretty much this live video feed that goes straight to the police department where they can monitor this type of stuff and because there was a this de herrera went and hired attorneys and they filed a lawsuit and as through the discovery process during a lawsuit they were able to get that video as evidence otherwise the police aren't going to release that and is that is that what came because this incident happened in early april but did the video just get released recently is that is that what happened or no because because this was part of a lawsuit and it was submitted as evidence the media outlets were able to get a hold of this right now jared you've actually been to the control room right where where the police officers actually watch these videos while they're happening on the street is there someone kind of controlling these cameras and i ask that because when you watch this this um de herrera video it's pretty fascinating because it starts out with the camera kind of zoomed in and focused on the on the police officer's arresting uh, De Herrera's friend. And then all of a sudden, by watching the video, the police officer goes over to De Herrera, who is talking to his dad, the sheriff on the phone or whatnot, and the cop just kind of like knocks this guy down. And immediately the camera kind of shifts away as if it's like tracking like traffic for maybe like five or 10 seconds. And then it goes back. So it's almost as if someone was like, well, we don't need to do capture this whole incident on tape right now. Well, to answer your first question, yes, there these all feed into one room in the Denver Police Department. I was able to go in there and see it as part of a um, media tour. There's kind of been two conflicting stories that have come out about why that camera panned out rather suspiciously. There's a lot of people (laughs) that saw that and thought that exact thing. Why does it zoom out and sort of pan away when all the action is happening? I mean, when this guy is getting tossed to the ground and all these other things. Yeah, you miss the good stuff. Yeah, you you, you, you can see it. You can see it. You just really have to zoom in with your own computer or whatever you are watching watching it on. The answer that the people that run this program, which is called Halo, the answer that they gave is, well, sometimes there are people that they will be watching this video at the exact moment that it's being recorded. Other times, the videos will, it'll sort of set and uh, focus in on an incident that's happening, and let's say the guy, the operator, is distracted and looking at something else, and then the the operator hasn't told the computer uh, to stay focused on that, then it'll automatically zoom out. Wait, what the hell? How how they set the computer so if all of a sudden there's an incident of police brutality, the cameras zoom out. That might be that might be an app that they've created. Yeah. Well, so. uh, on a broader point, you watch that video and you're just like, what the fuck? The guy was talking. He was clearly out of the line of any sort of... He was not uh, approaching or he did not seem threatening. I, I've heard the DPD saying, oh, well, you didn't... The, what the video didn't capture is what happened before and that Dre De Herrera's friend was pushing an officer but to me that it's hard to see that video and think what context were, were you missing if you if you did even if he was pushing an officer if you back off shouldn't the officer just be able to put you in some sort of restraint without beating you absolutely and that's and that's what this video showed and that's partly the reason why this was so outrageous is that Ron Perea the the new former uh, safety manager when he saw this video and it was up to him whether when was not, he hired uh he started July beginning and why of July. did the last guy the the former uh, safety manager Al LaCabe, I mean, he was in there for a number of years. He retired, and so they and so they brought in uh, Ron Perea. He was uh, worked for the Secret Service actually there in L.A., and so they brought him in as this as a new safety manager. And when Perea, they brought this evidence to Perea as part of the police internal investigation, and he saw those videos and ultimately decided that the police the police didn't do anything wrong. 
I wonder if Mayor John Hickelberg wasn't running for governor, if Perea's head wouldn't have rolled so quickly over this. Do you, th- do you think it was pretty egregious? Anyways? Anytime you have these types of police brutality videos, it's always, there's so there's so much community outrage. I mean, I think it, it would have happened anyway. I mean, is part of this just the environment let out in downtown? I mean, for those who don't know, down, you know, Lodo, you get various cross-sections of young people, drunk, all getting out of the bars, which at either one thirty or 2. And well, now the bars have started to actually base out their timing on purpose because because the police have requested it. But yeah, it's kind of between 1 and 2. And it's just, yeah. e- even before let out, it's kind of mob down there. Oh, it's yeah. just a nightmare. Yeah. It's like zombie fest yeah. at 2 a.m. Right, and so my what I'm wondering is just because of so all these incidents, cops are kind of amped already from the start. You know, that that would be my guess about why these keep keeps happening there. They're, they're on such high alert that they're just like... You know, not going to take yeah, any I mean, shit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you. There is that one guy, uh, Eric Winfield, that uh, Alan Pendergrass over at Westward had had written about, and they, he had all these photos of these cops, or he had photos of his face, which looked like ground beef after yeah. all these cops had sort of leapt on him. His problem was is there was no video of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. He got forty grand, yeah, and got, but no apology, no. Uh, which is interesting. Did you guys watch the other videos? Um, I watched the one with the guy with the two dogs. Yeah, that to me I want to bring up. Now, I'm not trying to be an apologist for kind of cops beating on folks, but that one to me at least, just from the video, didn't seem as egregious as the kind of Diarrera one. I mean, that guy... You know, did seem to be resisting well, a bit more. You know, we'll post yeah. that video on our website as well. Well, and he was being uh, in from a from a cop's eyes, he was being a, a prick, right? Like he he was, there was this traffic stop, and this guy walks up with two dogs and says says to the driver, "I will testify that you didn't run that stop sign," which is why this driver got pulled over. And then that that stoked the ire of the police officers, who then went up and you know, in the video, you can see him kind of getting closer to him, and he he, he did tense up, but. The cops did. I mean, they did they really have to? There's a guy walking two dogs in the middle of the day, not even at let out. Uh, they, they can be seen, like, jabbing him and smacking him and tossing him and arresting him basically for doing nothing illegal. The guy did nothing illegal at all, and all of a sudden he gets beat up and thrown in jail. See, is it bad that while I was watching them kind of rough up the dude, I was almost more concerned about his little white kind of oh, yeah, poodle yeah. dogs because, like, <laughs> they were off wandering in the street, and I kept kept freaking out thinking that something was going to happen to the dogs. That probably, So I think my priorities might have been yeah, screwed you're up. Horrible person, Joel. Yes. Oh, I also should I go over some of my statistics? You, you have statistics. Yes, I, I see. I did, Bore I me with numbers. Homework. I found this fascinating site that's been for the past two years has been kind of collecting news media reports of police misconduct, uh, police misconduct nationwide, and crunching the numbers. It's called the National Police Misconduct Statistics and Reporting Project, and we'll put a link to it because it's pretty fascinating charts and stuff. So Ooh, charts. Yes, lots of charts. And pie graphs as well as some colorful maps. Don't don't rush to your computers. <laughs> I found a fact. You guys are just big assholes. <laughs> okay, well, okay. What's the quiz? So the quiz is: Where do you think Colorado and Denver rank? Where From is... one to fifty states, where do you think Colorado ranks in terms of ratio of police misconduct per number of police officers? And these are these are sort of reports of police misconduct. Yes, yeah, media reports. So uh, it's gonna, not wholly. Oh, yeah. Reports. Do I have okay. to? I have to get more specific than saying we're in the top ten. Yes. I'm going to say six. Six nationwide. Okay. Yeah. I would say that uh, the DPD maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit lower. I'll go with I'll go with eight. With one being the most violent police guys and fifty being police officers just don't do jack shit. Pussies. Yeah, like yes. Madison, okay. Wisconsin. So turns out for 2009, Colorado ranked uh, 29. Oh. In uh-huh. 2010, so far we're 25th. We also broke down different big city police departments. 2009, Denver ranked. Yeah, I got numbers. Oh. 
Come on. Where's our number? 11th. 11th. 11th in the ratio of incidents per number of police officers right after Atlanta and Memphis. Now, so far this year, Denver is ranked 6th nationwide. But this is th- this is a site that tracks media reports of police brutality. So yes. it's not necessarily so it can be skewed somewhat. Sanctioned yeah. or yeah. Well, that was Joel Warner with statistics. Uh, we're going to move on to <laughs> Denver Diatribe's in-house statistician. We're going to move on to discussing five points for those of you who live in Littleton or um, uh, Pueblo uh, or Cleveland. Uh, five points is the historically black neighborhood in Denver. You might remember it from such South Park episodes as the. Uh, Crips, where uh, I believe Jimmy and Timmy go to get uh, to join the Crips uh, because because they're crippled because they're crippled. Anyway, it's Jared. You should talk a little bit more because you know the backstory. But it's it's now in its new stage of going to be revitalized after it's you know after twenty years of trying. But yeah, yeah, and they've been the city and city's boosters have been trying for literally decades to revitalize Five Points and and bring it back to its uh, former glory as the center of denver's black renaissance and and culture and uh so we should we should mention though that it's no longer a majority black neighborhood it's uh i think hispanics are are, i was reading on the the website the chamber of commerce's website it's like 57 percent hispanic like eight percent white 29 percent african-american so the demographics have shifted even though it's it's known as the heart of denver's black community yeah yeah and, and and that's and this is this is my in my gripe for a number of years is that the city has pumped in a lot of money into projects that are kind of intended to uh, encourage black ownership of these businesses to spur uh, African American business people and store owners to to open up stores and come down there and it and it really hasn't worked. I mean even with the the light rail running straight down Welton and it being a great location, you have the Wellington Webb African American Library that was strategically placed down there. You still you still drive to Five Points, and and mostly what you see is a uh, uh, a lot of boarded up shops or you well, you see really so it's it's mixed use. Like you have like the Deep Rock Water, uh, which takes up like seem like a whole block on yeah, on Glenarm. You have a, a, another parking lot. You have a few residences right on Glenarm. It's a weird. And then you have the light rail, so it doesn't. It almost doesn't feel like. Uh, it feels like it would be a stretch to have a kind of vital retail uh, mixed use. But then sort you of look street. at something like Blackberries. Blackberries was the coffee shop right in the heart of Five Points, which was this great little kind of ice cream place and coffee shop. And it seemed like you know, if any place was going to be successful, it was going to be Blackberries. I mean, it was this kind of community hub. And now it's Points. another coffee store. Oh yeah, like so that shut down a little while ago, and now a new one's coming up. So the question is, I mean, even Blackberries can't well, be no, successful no, but, but there. See, the, see, this is what I'm saying though. That that building that Blackberries was in, or in whatever this other coffee shop is in, that was a project that was sort of spurred on by the city's Office of Economic Development. It got a number of tax breaks. That was supposed to be one of these big projects that was going to help turn this place into a uh, more relevant an active commercial destination and it hasn't really happened and even even blackberries in and of itself going out i think is a is a signal of how difficult it's been well it's also there's no anchor i mean there's cervantes which is a club there there's uh kuvo the radio station which there's you know what i mean it needs so like, what so so what would it take john like where do you think has to go in um five points to help it well uh, aren't lesbians like the vanguard of any gentrification pro- like don't we need some lesbians there Thank you, Richard Florida. 
No, they but, call them urban pioneers, right? Like you need the creative to, class. Well, I'll say this: <laughs> what's interesting about it, when you wa- drive around the periphery of of Five Points, there's lots of kind of high-end townhomes, some that actually aren't ugly, which is amazing. And the problem, one of the problems, I think that you know, people that it's a whole other issue. Don't we don't have time to get into? But is the Denver Rescue Mission is so close to there, and you know, my wife used to live yeah. in Five Points, and you get you get uh, Jack Daniels bottles on your lawn regularly you get this influx of people when the when the mission lets out who have to kind of go kill time and it's that's kind of i think hampering it so what do you so what do you do it's 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 sort of close to there but it's still a number of blocks away i mean it's it's as far away from uh, the rescue mission it's as far away from five points as it is from coors field yeah or maybe even ballparks but i think there's more room to kind of loaf and be idle (laughs) you know I sound like a hor- I sound like Montgomery Burns here, but it's just you, you see it. It's it's true. We need to block out the sun from right over five points. <laughs> but I, I do think that's that's a, a problem, and it's also I mean it's also a problem for other like businesses. What, what, what on- type of what type of businesses? Yeah. John, so yeah. You want to see what would be the, the tipping point? Certainly, we go to these other you know old commercial strips that um, that have different types of businesses there for that reason we go there why aren't we going to five uh more soul food i mean you know what there is tom's southern cooking right i would say more you know more and, soul food there's just be soul food i i think yeah if you guys like <laughs> this, this is the answer in, in the same way that like you know you have a strip of similar restaurants i was just in mountain view california this past weekend where google is headquartered I swear, I've never seen anything like it. It's one, three blocks, and there's like nine Japanese restaurants, five Vietnamese places. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So okay, so you're saying more kind of kind of Resident, like cultural like food. enclave of yeah. I mean, I, it's not going to go back to what you know. It, it was built as kind of like this jazz live music thing, which where so many jazz greats played when they would you know they couldn't stay because of segregation at the White Hotel, and that's so they were you know performed and stayed in Five Points, or they might have done a gig. You know, in downtown Denver, but they were staying in Five Points. As yeah, but I mean, this—I mean, what you just stated right there is exactly what I've been talking about for years. That if 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 soul food and those types of cultural, you know, traditionally African American cultural uh, amenities and businesses would have were going to be the future of Five Points, it it would have already happened. I yeah. agree. I, mean, I would. Agreed. I would love to see that be five points as much as anybody else but with the democrat with the demographic shift that we've seen occur over the last 20 years i mean the the entire black middle class has moved out of five points they're living more in northeast denver um those businesses so what what would you want to see i think that uh the the future of five points and i'm gonna be labeled the the horrible gentrifier uh pushing poor people out but i mean the future of five points uh is going to be things that cater to the wealthier white yuppies or not white yuppies uh, you know more people that are moving to the city and moving in uh, moving in and around five points because they like urban urbanism you know living close to the city and so th- the things that are going to cater to them are going to be a vitamin uh, cottage a vitamin is a small grocery store the um you know, uh, the sunflower or the or the the mythical Trader Joe's that we've all been waiting for. Ooh, that Trader Joe's. There. Um, you know, more right. more businesses like that. I think. Um, or say, for example, high end donut shop. Ah, Segway. <laughs> Did Joel Warner order a Segway? Um, we're going to move on. We should revisit this this subject again because it it is interesting and it leads into a lot of the other development in Denver. I mean, it's just a good launching pad. Uh, for that discussion. But let's talk about uh, donuts. Uh, Joel, 
Hit it. So this weekend, I decided to go to the newest, hottest new restaurant on uh, Tennyson, which is a shop that, that focuses on donuts and beer. What's it, it called? It's called The Hole. The Hole. The Hole. That's, That's the dirty. official name. Yes, it can be a quite dirty name. It has a pretty unique flavors. I got the, uh, the bacon flavored donut. I skipped out on the mojito flavored donut. It didn't have any of the uh, Elvis Presley, which was like peanut butter and banana filled donut covered in like chocolate and toffee and some bacon. Wait, wait. So where is this on Tennyson? I'm, I'm intrigued. It's, it's basically a block north of 38th. It's a real nice location. It's really very, very much kind of high-end, kind of brushed metal type sleek look. Open 24 hours right now on okay. the weekends, which is which is a really bad idea, considering Tennyson does not have 24-hour type traffic. <laughs> Denver doesn't have 24-hour traffic. Yes. But uh, they were very good donuts. It was a very long and, wait. And beer, too? Donuts and beer. They also have, say, like breakfast sandwiches that they serve you in a sliced open. These are donut. types of places that I wonder, like, they can launch big because everyone wants to try it out, but is a place like that going to sustain itself? Is that once people get over the gimmick, are they going to keep going? Well, that's the thing. Right now, there seems to be some type of kind of donut craze going on. You know, there's a new uh, donut food cart, which is part of the whole food truck movement at Civic Center. There's several, I think, uh, D-Bar Desserts is having a whole new kind of donut development and several other high-end restaurants. So it seems like that the donuts have become the new uh, cheeseburger, which before that was the new cupcake. Before that, I think it was just comfort food. Wait, there's been a new cheeseburger? Well, yeah. I mean, there was so like... I went straight from, from cupcakes to, you, to donuts. You missed you, missed you missed the cheeseburger? Must yeah. must have been asleep. The places like uh, Park Burger, Park Burger, H Burger. Well, I, do you want to take a, pre- a prediction of what you think is going to be the next, uh, I guess, the next donut? It's going to be uh, children's food, a place where people can go and have high-end versions of the foods they liked having when they were little kids. Things like high-end versions of like strawberry milk. Fruit roll-ups? Fruit roll-ups. High-end fruit roll-ups. Juicy um, juice? Juicy juice, hot dogs, mac and cheese, uh, chicken nuggets shaped like wild animals, and really hot, you know, that costs about 25 bucks Sounds per serving. Sounds fucking painful. I can, I, can hear the, I can hear the stampede of hipsters running to this. They will love it. Proposed <laughs> business already. But I mean, the, the, what's that place on, uh, on East Colfax, the shop? Didn't they serve uh, cereal and, still... and cupcakes? So, so this, will, just... this would combine like the cupcake bars. and cereal bar concepts with like. The mac and cheese concept. I mean, this, I think there's some real potential here. So you guys now, what are your predictions? Okay, wait, I have one. Imagine a chicken sandwich, but instead of the bread, you have two pieces of breaded fried chicken. Oh, In- oh, oh no, never mind. That's actually, that's a KFC double down. That already been done, sorry. Uh, I think that the next food trend is actually going to be, I've, I've thought about this before, Asian-style no- noodle shops, but not the high-end ones that um, we've seen. What, what's the one that Frank... Uh, Bonanno or whatever his name is. Owned. Bones. Bones, yeah. And not like that. That's a little too high-end. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see ones that you, where you can get the, the cheap bowl of ramen, Simon, uh, udon-style noodles, but they're going to be really cheap and inexpensive, and they're going to cater to people that, you know, they're going to be located next to the college campuses or at in the in the Lodos where... Like a it, chain of noodle shops is what you see. Yeah, Con- but not it's really so diff- different than like pho? Different yeah. than Vietnamese pho? Yeah, yeah, more more of like you know, saimen or or ramen, which in in Japan, ramen is is taken very very seriously. It's not it's not the it's not freeze dried anymore. Wait, how are you saying it? You're saying ramen and not ramen. 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 You said you said ramen. Ramen. Okay, well, ramen. <laughs> Excuse me, but you know, they're they're going to be places and and they're going to be uh, you know, imagine really cheap 
under five bucks, get a huge bowl under of five bucks. And I could do that. That's my prediction. All right, well, okay, John. I I have no prediction. Sorry, I, I don't mean to blame, but I will say some of this stuff just it makes me. It's just kind of a <laughs> desperate and annoying. But if it's good, it, it's good. And if it's if it's going to catch, but I I am a you know I'm a fan of the food truck movement. I do like that. But what I hope is for some good old fashioned kind of imperial plunder of another culture's cuisine that really can make it front and center. I would like to see the Chipotle of dosas, the South Indian sort of pastry crepe thing. If you ever never had, I've one, never heard of it. Go to Masala, worst service ever. But Masala on South Parker Road, fantastic vegetarian Indian restaurant. Order a dosa. They're, they're amazing. But in some ways, like, you know, like there used to be no sushi places. Now sushi is just boom. I'd rather see something like that. Some food we barely ever tried. Boom. Dosas. Boom. Right. All okay, of a sudden, like it's that. like it's a staple. That, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't think that the Chipotle is going to branch out into dosas or Indian food <laughs> is going to be, you know, it, it could happen. You know what I mean? They have P.F. Chang's as the, you know, the, the, flagship kind of overpriced uh making chinese food safe for for the uh suburban highlands ranch dwellers who but are moving to five points who are moving to five who points. are moving yeah, who where are gonna... soon you're going to be able to find a shop that sells high-end donuts doses and double downs and also serves beer all right enough... and that after you have that you might or might not get get beaten up by a denver police officer all right love and hate uh jared let's start with you okay i have a love for a change, of love. which you guys shocked. My love has to do with uh, an energy drink company called Go Fast. You guys have heard of it. Yes. Yeah. It's actually Denver-based. I don't know if you knew, knew that. It's Denver-based. But about six months ago, I have a friend in advertising who has worked, who had worked with uh, Go Fast, and they were trying to come out with a Go Fast gum. And so he gave me a few packs of what they called the prototype of this gum. You know, and so you, you take it, open it up, and put it in your mouth, and it honestly tasted. Like change from your pocket that had been dipped in battery acid. It was so insanely horrendous. I I, I cannot. It, it, there was there was actually when some of these things got out into the public, there were there were YouTube videos just of people putting them in their mouth and chewing them and their reaction. So anyway, I'm at the gas station the other day and I see a pack of the Go Fast gum, and it's been released. It's, it says on the front, taste the adrenaline. Each one of these pieces has 80 milligrams of caffeine in them, the equivalent of a, of a cup of coffee. Uh, I sampled one and did give me a raging Should we all have some right now and yeah. we can are we you, have a reaction? Are you ready, you ready John? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's adrenaline? do it. Let's do it right now. Okay, this is, this is going to be exciting. Listeners, don't I, try I don't this at I home. Mean, I, I tried it and... I, this is I a really big so piece of gum. This is, yeah, like, this, is like, this, is, this is like the size of like a sugar cube. It's huge. Yeah, it's yellow and it has this creamy center. I don't get where your hate or love is coming in here, but I just have to say, well, it's not bad. I, I guess I love the idea of a way to chew a cup of coffee instead of having to drink <laughs> a Red Bull. <laughs> wait a second. Smoke okay, it now. Warm. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Five chews in, ten chews yeah. into it, it gets kind of it's kind of it bad. Does. It gets it gets really bad. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. tasting like tar. I think. Okay. I think my I tongue. Love it. I love it. I think my tongue stopped working. All right, Joel, well, right? go with you. Please pardon all my chewing. This thing's kind of massive. I need to spit mine out at this point. Okay. This week, I have to say... You need to take a breath after that. I do, I do. Gum. I have uh, some hate this week. What's and I hate, I hate how addicted I've become to my smartphone. This week, part of its uh, touchscreen stopped working, so I had to send it back to get it repaired. So I had to use my old-fashioned cell phone, which, 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 I, which I'm holding up right now and showing to you what guys. Is it, uh, T-Mobile? Yeah, it's a T-Mobile yeah. phone. 
And basically, just now using this just makes me realize how addicted I became to my smartphone. I mean, I had my, I checked all my messages on it. I checked the web. I had my calendar, uh, my notes. I had all my, uh, listened to all my podcasts through through my uh, smartphone. And now I'm so bummed out that literally all I can do is make phone calls with my cell phone, which is seems almost strange to, to just use your cell phone to make phone calls. And I'm really bummed out. I don't know what to like, do in the car. Now, however, thinking about this. That's fucked up. <laughs> I think I think we should have a we should, we should have a monument on the National Mall to first world inconveniences. <laughs> you know, remote controls breaking, TiVo freezing, which mine always does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's messed up. It is bad news. All right, my lo- I'm going to do a love this week, and it, it's it's love with longing. And I, I live near City Park, and that's like Denver's big park that should instead of the little park that could. It, it's flanked by you know some larger arteries compared to like washington park it's so it's really beautiful it has beautiful fountain the uh, esplanade fountain and no one really uses it except for sundays uh or the city park jazz okay. and it's like a big grass museum in there and i just wish we the city could figure out a way to get more people in there and vitalize it just a, a little bit more because it really is a beautiful and it should be like our quote-unquote central park what would you suggest well, my personal bias would be a skate park. Uh, they, they do have the room for it. I would love to see a skate park in there, man. Well, they already have the, the handball court where all the, uh, it, the handball the court, don't, hang out. Don't get me started on the pro- handball court. That is just. I that, think we have to have a whole other discussion someday about the there's handball. There's potholes in, in the handball court. It's a disgrace. The tennis court is beautiful, and the handball court is the little sports ghetto. Handball discrimination. Totally. And if you look at it, you know, it's mostly Mexicans playing and sometimes me, the great white hope. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's going to wrap it up. We will see you next week. Uh, same time, same place. Check our website, uh, denverdiatribe.com for links to what we discussed. And if you want to suggest story ideas or just make fun of us, that's where you go. For John Dicker, Jared Mayer, and Joel Warner, we are out.